Welcome to Conspiracy What? <laughs> We're talking about the assassin in the rye or yes. the catcher, but we're talking about the conspiracy of catcher in the rye triggering assassinations. And is catcher in the rye more than just a story of an emo little shithead wandering around New York City? Yes. <laughs> Hi, I'm Allie. Hi, that's her, I'm me. And I'm Jen. That's Jen. Back for more. Another one of our co-hosts that we're slowly introducing on the show that a poster should be out for in the next week. <laughs> so. Yes, you did, you said that weird. Jen's permanent. Yeah. Yay! I'm like Velcro. Velcro's not very permanent. Gorilla glue. <laughs> I thought you meant if we try and take you off the podcast, you'll just be really loud. <laughs> I won't go! <laughs> Anyway, uh, this book sucked anyway. I hated it. You may not think the same, but it's it's generally required reading in, like, high school. It, well, I don't know if it is anymore. It depends. You're closer to high school age than me, but... Uh, yeah, I read it in high school. Okay. Which was... That was about 10 I don't want to talk about what year it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I read this in high school about 11 years ago now. Cool. So... Cool, cool, cool. So... Catcher in the Rye. Is it a trigger for assassinations? Was this used during the MK Ultra program? Uh, does this cause murders to happen? Find out this time on the scary door. I like to think that MK Ultra just set, made people sit in a round room and read this book over and over and over again. I did see something that was like, did they brainwash them to just like read the title and then kill? Or did they just make them read the whole book to where if they like heard any of the lines from the book in any succession, they would be triggered? Yeah. Well, like we've mentioned MK Ultra multiple times on this before, uh, like one of the episodes where I had to uh, reiterate my point because I said they dunked a puppy in acid and what i meant <laughs> was they dunked a puppy in lsd it's not really much better when you think about it okay but it wasn't like hydrochloric <laughs> acid <laughs> but uh i don't remember what episode that was but if you go back you'll find it eventually uh but anyway this is the famous thing where the cia was like this makes people hallucinate Let's just see how that works. And yeah, they, it was their attempt at mind control, basically. Yeah. yeah, and it either worked or didn't work, depending on who you believe. Mm -hmm. And it also tied... I, I think it had some small ties into the... Uh, what's that program? The uh, the Men Who Stare at Goats program. It was, oh, yeah. it was a similar idea of was like... Was it you, Artichoke? I don't know what it was called, but... Was it Bluebird? If, if you've ever seen the movie or read the book, Men Who Stare at Goats, it's based on the real-life account of someone going Such through that. Such a great movie. One of the best movies. But there this were is like a similar six. idea. Like, you're trying to get warfare advantages. Yeah, there were six similar projects. I can't remember all the names, but there was MKUltra, there was Bluebird, there was Artichoke, and they all basically did the similar things. Like, right. experimenting with brainwashing and mind control. Anywho. This is, this is not a sampler plan of all <laughs> this of This book, Catcher in the Rye, is very real. Yeah. That's mainly what we're going over. We should say not MK Ultra because yeah. that's a whole episode in itself, if not more. So we're just mostly going to So the, book, the book, The Catcher in the Rye, was written by J.D. Salinger. 
a man, for any of those who want to know. A man in a literary wonder. And it was first published in 1945. Yes. It was actually originally titled The Boy and the People Shooting Hat. Which, which is, is catchy. I think it's the... Um, now it, that is chapters three through seven. They were like, mm, it's not like, it doesn't have enough pizzazz. <laughs> it's not poetic. Well, they had a really hard time publishing this because it was one of the first books to actually like have vulgarity mm-hmm. in it and bad words. And it was the first published book to say fuck as fuck and not thug. I read that somewhere. Or golly gee darn it. Yeah. Yeah, it's been so, banned multiple times for that reason it's too. It's been banned ever it's, since they. It's came not. Out. It's not only the fact that like there's cussing in it. There's cussing like every sentence. Yeah. Like, also, the amount of times that he says "phony" makes me want to jump off of the balcony. Oh, my best friend has it. Has the Kindle version, so I asked her to look it up. He says "phony" thirty six times in two hundred and thirty four pages. That is still too much. Do the math. It's a lot. I won't do the math. You can do the math. However, I will not. Anyway, the main character in this book, Holding Caulfield, is an angsty teenager. Basically. We do come to find out through the story that he is actually, he's clinically depressed. He is living in a, what would you, I mean, mental health institution or sanatorium, whatever they called him in the 40s. And he's, he's very weird. Putting it lightly. Yeah. yeah. Basically, what the story says is that he is a kid looking back on the phoniness of being an adult and basically reminiscing about being a child. Mm-hmm. Which he sees, he it's embodied what? in his little sister. Wait, he's a kid who's looking back on the phoniness of being an adult by telling the story of him being a child? Well, he's not really. I mean, he's almost 18, right? Or is he 16? I don't remember, but he's getting older. What and he, he says believes, becoming an adult is phony. We're all getting yeah. older. What Holden believes is that adults are all phonies. And anyone who isn't him is a phony. <laughs> God damn it if that's not slightly accurate. But he does see... it. This really doesn't matter to what we're going to talk about conspiracy-wise, but he, he sees the innocence of children in his little sister Phoebe. And the part of his brain that is... I don't, I don't know. He's just, he's mentally ill and he's got some some issues. And so he sees this innocence of children of childhood being taken away mm-hmm. by the phoniness of whatever, of adulthood. Yeah, I hated this book. I thought it was dumb. We're but not doing a book review. Let's talk okay. about so, conspiracy. Conspiracy. So basically the idea is that this book somehow is connected to a bunch of murders, famous or otherwise. Which, uh... What? You're squinting. What? Murders in, specifically in the United States. Yes, that's true. No murders outside of the U.S. have been connected to the Catcher in the Rye that we know of. Right. All right, well, let's start with some of the people who are dead because of the Catcher in the Rye. Um, so this one I thought was weird because it's like way off of the timeline Mm -hmm. than everything else. So JFK. John F. Kennedy, for those who don't know. Isn't it Junior technically? Was he the Junior? Yeah, he was Junior. And I don't know why people named John also go by Jack. That's just another, anyway. JFK was assassinated in 1963 by Lee Harvey Oswald. <clears throat> That's a topic we'll Spoiler get into alert. another time. Know. Yeah. We can talk about that one later. 
Hmm? I didn't know. JFK. Yeah. He was killed. Oh, I thought there was something else. No, he just was shot. Okay, never mind. Lee Harvey Oswald killed him. Yeah, right. Supposedly. Supposedly. Allegedly. Allegedly. Uh, <laughs> so, Lee Harvey Oswald was a fall guy, supposedly. He was easily arrested after he shot JFK. And he kept screaming, I'm a patsy, I'm a patsy, being like, I was set up. I, you know, um, I, he wasn't the only one involved, whatever. And the police raided an apartment in Dallas that he had been, I don't know how long he lived there. Again, it, it's a whole other <laughs> historical thing, but uh, he was living there to assassinate JFK in Dallas, obviously. And the police raided the apartment. They found a dog-eared copy of Catcher in the Rye. They found Animal Farm by George Orwell and Mein Kampf by yours truly, Hitler. Jen. <laughs> uh, I do want to say, I feel like that's like an escalation there, like reading Catcher in the Rye and then Animal Farm and then Mein Kampf. Yeah. I would think, yeah, it'd be the perfect, like, I don't know, ploy, like, oh, let's just put a bunch of random shit in this guy's apartment. Like, if he was set up, they could have been planted there, mm-hmm. right? Because he never got the opportunity to go back to the apartment. Yeah. I just think it's funny. Like, if you're going to be inspired by any of those three books, I would think Catcher in the Rye would be third on the list. Yeah, I didn't really find any more on that one. It was just like... That guy had a copy of Catcher in the Rye. And, the, and then the convenient... Well, there's a ton of conspiracy surrounding JFK's death anyway. Right. And then there, you know, the argument that Lee Harvey Oswald wasn't the lone gunman. And then two days after he was arrested, he was just walking through a police station and some civilian, quote unquote, just shot him and killed him inside the police station with oh. cops just milling around. They're like, oh, shit. Oops. Well, don't have to handle that one anymore. So that was convenient. Yeah, it's just, it's one of the the first. government. I think it's one of the first cases where, like, a lot of this is coincidence with Catcher in the Rye. Like, someone kills someone and they find Catcher in the Rye on the bookshelf. Because they're not going to go look in other people's bookshelves who haven't killed anybody to see if Catcher in the Rye is also on their bookshelf. story. But... This is one of those cases where it is kind of weird because we have someone who claims that he didn't necessarily do it or that he was mm-hmm. a patsy or whatever, but he has Catcher in the Rye sitting there. And I'm guessing mm-hmm. that this came up after the weird shit in the 80s happened, which we will get to now. Yeah. Oh, the 80s. John Lennon. John fucking Lennon. In 1980. For those that don't know, he was Imagine a member of the Beatles. Imagine all the people. And he was married to Yoko Ono. And he was a legend at the time. He was also a phony. He kind of was a phony. I mean, that's part of the argument. We won't go into what John Lennon really was. So in but, 1980, yeah. I forgot what month. Uh, man, I fell down a rabbit hole about this Mark David Chapman dude, but. Yeah, this guy is definitely. He could have his own episode. <laughs> um, he. Long story short, he struggled with depression and um, mood disorders and that kind of thing. And he became obsessed with John Lennon and fixated on this John Lennon's a phony. He is, you know, he must be destroyed. Yeah. And he was also obsessed with Catcher in the Rye. Very much so, yes. I think he believed that he 
related to Holden Caulfield. Oh, here's a good one from the YouTube video I watched. I forgot to put it in the notes. So he was working at a nursing home and on his very last day working there, cause he's like, I quit cause he was gonna go to you know New York and assassinate somebody. Um, he signed out on the employee log. He, is, he signed Holden Caulfield, then scratched it out and put Mark David Chapman. They yeah, he thought he his, was Holden yeah. Caulfield because he put that in his copy of the book, too. Well, he wanted to be Holden Caulfield. Yeah. I think he knew he wasn't because he was trying to change his name to Holden Caulfield. Mm-hmm. But that's what he wanted. And to so a big part of this idea of it being a trigger for assassinations is that Mark David Chapman calmly walked up to John Lennon, shot him like five times in the back. And then sat down on the curb mm-hmm. and pulled out his copy of the book, Catcher in the Rye, and just waited for the police to show up to arrest him. This was also not the first day he was outside of Lennon's apartment. No, he had, yeah. He had been there before. He had actually met Lennon face-to-face. Oh, yeah, because he actually signed an autograph for him mm-hmm. shortly mm-hmm. before. Yeah, depending on which version of Chapman's story you believe, he was a fan of Lennon. But there's different versions where he says he was a fan, and then he says he hated him, and then he says he was a fan. I read some things that it was like, was holding Caulfield, or pfft. Shit. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> was you Mark David Chapman. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. Was Mark David Chapman, so I read, this is somebody's theory. Was he protecting John Lennon from becoming a phony? Or did he believe John Lennon was a phony? Because the whole part of, like, in the book, there's this idea of protecting people, innocent people, from growing into the phoniness. And so there was this question of Mark David Chapman's obsession with John actually borderline, like, I have to protect him from the world. And so he could see John Lennon losing his innocence of youth, so to speak. And so then he was like, well, if he's dead, then he won't become a phony. Yeah. So there's that. Uh, crazy oh. logic. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It, I mean, the, the whole, like, after he shot him and then just sat down and read the book is pretty wild to me. Mm-hmm. But that's not the last time that he brings up uh, the book in this whole ordeal of him murdering John Lennon. Yeah, this right? is this is different than uh, the John F. Kennedy case because Chapman consistently talks about the book. Mm-hmm. He doesn't just have it; he uses it as his defense mm-hmm. in some cases. Yeah, inside of his copy of the book, uh, Chapman had written to Holden Caulfield from Holden Caulfield. This is my statement, and then signed Holden's name. And. Um, like we said before, he was going to change his name to that. Mm-hmm. So I guess he was just kind of prepared to be Holden Caulfield. And then on top of that, he said it in police custody and during his trial, just like things from the book and I'm Holden Caulfield kind of things. And uh, while in custody, he said, I'm sure the big part of me is Holden Caulfield, who is the main person in the book. The small part of me must be the devil. Yeah, I think people with a mood disorder or borderline personality disorder or even multiple personalities or some sort of weird derangement that causes them to think they're morphing into someone else, um, they they have glimpses of normalcy 
where they yeah. can see that their actions aren't, which I think kept him because he obsessed about this for a long time before he actually followed through with it. And he was living in Hawaii at the time. So he would just like randomly fly to New York from Hawaii and then go home to his wife and be like, hey, mm-hmm. I'm here. Get a wife. I don't um, know okay. <laughs> we Again. Oh God, I opened a can of worms. Yeah. This video I watched was a big part of it was her being interviewed. She was a travel agent in Hawaii, and when she first saw Mark David Chapman like book a trip through her or book something through her, she started stalking him. Oh, so they're both crazy. <laughs> and I call it stalking. She called it, I would leave notes for him at all the hotels he stayed at, telling him to get in touch with me. Sounds like romance. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, all right. And she was almost just as obsessed with Mark as Mark was with Lennon. It's quite the stock triangle. Is this one of those relationships where she's still married to him even after she found out that he murdered somebody? I don't... um, I didn't get through the whole video. (laughs) And then Google wouldn't let me reopen it. And then I couldn't get through the rest of it. Jen was censored by the NSA. Pretty sure it was. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, so during his trial, he read from the book. And didn't you say you bookmarked what he read? I did. So this is what Holden... (laughs) (laughs) This is what Holden is saying and what Mark David Chapman read in the courtroom. I thought it was if a body catch a body, I said... Anyway, I keep picturing all these little kids playing some game in this big field of rye and all. Thousands of little kids, and nobody's around. Nobody big, I mean, except me. And I'm standing on the edge of some crazy cliff. What I have to do, I have to catch everybody if they start to go over the cliff. I mean, if they're running and they don't look where they're going, I have to come out from somewhere and catch them. That's all I'd do all day. I'd just be the catcher in the rye and all. I know it's crazy, but that's the only thing I'd really like to be. I know it's crazy. Hmm. So yeah, it's insightful. Mm-hmm. And that's where the idea of Mark David Chapman protecting John Lennon's innocence comes from. Yeah. I mean, specifically that he read that passage. Mm-hmm. Now kind of is leading me more I towards that. I really hard to find video footage of that in the courtroom and I never found it. So if, hey listeners, if you know, if you find it, send it to us. Send us a link. If it exists, it's possible there's no video of it. You know, that's really hard to find videos on YouTube of him speaking. There's one I found that was just him. It was like a weird 30 second thing of him saying something. And um, because he was interviewed a lot later while he was living in jail. Is he still in jail? Is he mm, still alive? As far as I know, he's still in jail. I know he was up Well, that's for right, parole. because he... That's right. His parole kept being denied. It yeah. continues yeah. to be denied. Yeah, he has a similar thing to who we're about to talk about, to John Hinckley Jr., who had his own issues. and yeah. John Hinckley Jr. was cuckoo bananas. <laughs> Wait. I got a couple more things. Oh, shit. On Chapman. Okay. Yeah, but okay. yeah. So, I, was yeah. Just, I was just saying, it's a similar thing to what we're going to see with John Hinckley Jr., where, like... Their craziness doesn't really end. Kind of just is always with them. Yeah, so speaking of of Chapman's craziness, he, in 2016, one of the times he was up for a parole, he talked about his psychotic mind. He told the board that he had a true sociopathic mind. 
and he wanted to shoot Lennon so that Chapman could be somebody. Hmm. Yeah. Yep. And over the years, he talked about his obsession with Catcher in the Rat continuously. He still thinks he's Holden. And yeah, there is an alternate theory, actually, going off the John Lennon thing. That some claim that the U.S. government wanted John Lennon dead because of his large following of people who were against a lot of the government activities at the time. Which goes into the Oswald thing as well, because mm-hmm. a lot of people wanted JFK dead, which is well known. People didn't want him in office, so yeah. that's so like the one. theory with the book is that they used sleeper assassins to kill these people triggered by the book mm-hmm. right which yeah. we'll get more into how that works but that's the main idea revolving around these people is that something's built into them to react it's like those bad spy movies from like the early 2000s <laughs> when somebody says just the right word around them and suddenly they get triggered into becoming an assassin again and mm-hmm. go on an adventure and like banana split and then it's just like all of a sudden chaos happens yeah. isn't that like what the Jason Bourne movies are based on. Well, no, because Bourne hits his head and completely gets... Like, he gets he has, amnesia. Yeah, he has yeah. amnesia. So, Cuckoo Bananas, John Hinckley Jr., yeah. like you just well, <laughs> said gonna, earlier, right? I was going to talk about John Hinckley Jr. Go for it. Because he is, his case is really weird. He, for those who don't know, he tried to assassinate Ronald Reagan. Yeah, and, and he missed he all of his shots. he failed. Well, he didn't miss all of well, them. Well, no, it... He hit... Them, no, one of them ricocheted off of the car and yeah. grazed Reagan. Yeah, maybe that's his plan all along. Captain America, the bullet. And just but Reagan lived, so he failed. Well, yeah, it hit Reagan's armpit. But he did kill one of the bodyguards. Anyway, my point is that the, the whole thing with John Hinckley Jr. is that he had an obsession with Jodie Foster. Now, this obsession made him write letter after letter after letter to her, to which she never responded. He also because, found her at the college that she went to and would slip notes under her door. Yeah, because cuckoo bananas. And for those who don't know why <laughs> he was obsessed with Jodie Foster, it's because of the movie Taxi Driver yes. that he saw her in. She was like 13, 14 at the time. She if was 12. If you've never seen Taxi Driver, she plays a prostitute in the movie no. at the same age. Is it yes, a prostitute? I, I thought I've it was a sexually trafficked child. She's a prostitute in the movie. She's okay, she's way. sexually trafficked, yes, but they play it off more like it's something she wants. It's Taxi Driver is a very dark Which film. A lot in Hollywood. Yeah, it, Lolita. Taxi Driver specifically <laughs> is dark intentionally, though. I mean, like it has that whole thing, mm-hmm. and she had to do like. They even had to go around, like, the character does sex scenes, which they used Jodie, Jodie Foster's older sister for, because her sister was old enough to do those That's scenes. so gross. It's really What? Weird. Yes, but because of all these things, uh, Hinckley became obsessed with her. So he kind of put himself in the shoes of Robert De Niro's character in Taxi Driver, and it kind of becomes this weird obsession. But he thinks, and I don't know why, I don't remember reading the reason why, but for some reason he thinks killing Ronald Reagan will impress Jodie Foster. Yeah. It was actually President Carter first. Oh. Because when he first started thinking about this, Carter was still president. Yeah. And then he was actually arrested for being armed near President Carter. And then once he got out of jail, Reagan was president. So then he tried to kill Reagan. I just can't imagine that you're like, I'm going to kill this guy, and then he leaves, and you're like, well, I could kill this guy, The president guy too. still works. I could still kill this guy. Same title. As long as it's guy. the president, it'll be just as impressive. It doesn't really matter. Jodie Foster will fall in love with me if I do that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, let's just go ahead and say that didn't work. Uh, Jodie Foster did not fall in love <laughs> yeah. with him. But 
like Ali said, he failed in his attempted assassination. He did kill one bodyguard. He was never actually truly tried for the bodyguard killing, and he was found to be uh, too insane to stand trial from what I read. One so. thing I read, I posted the link at the bottom of the page um, on one of the articles I read. He was um, found not guilty by reason of insanity, mm-hmm. and then he was tried for murder 33 years later when the bodyguard died from his so that bodyguard he didn't die he was paralyzed Mm. and then when that when he died from his issues from Mm -hmm. the gunshot that's when john hinckley jr was charged with murder oh so they didn't just ignore it no, totally. it was, I mean, you know, because he was found not guilty by reason of insanity, which, let's be honest, probably accurate. Probably, in his case. Well, just to go further into Hinkley, so one of the things they found is they found Catcher in the Rye on his coffee table. Mm-hmm. So this is something that's out in the open. It's something that he had definitely read recently. Mm-hmm. And again, we're talking about kind of a government assassination going after Ronald mm-hmm. Reagan, who had his own enemies at the time. Uh, we're talking about the man who switched parties halfway through his career. So yeah. he did not have a lot of friends. But uh, yeah, but yeah, they found Catcher in the Rye on his coffee table. So it's definitely something, if you didn't read it right before the murder, he had been reading it around that time. Yeah, I can picture these these people like they're just la 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 going about their day and then they pick up Catcher in the Rye and then all of a sudden they're like, must kill. <laughs> Their eyes turn red and they just start walking like a zombie. I also have the same image. Get in uh, touch with me, Hollywood. <laughs> he he was put into uh, I don't know, like was it was it it wasn't considered a sanatorium at the time anymore, was it? Not in the eighties. No, not in the eighties. They were mental health facilities. Yeah, mental health facility instead of going to prison. Uh, he eventually they were gonna parole him at one point so he'd go see his family and then they put a hold on that for a brief period of time because they found a whole ton of Jodie Foster pictures mm-hmm. hidden he in his room. He had never gotten rid of his obsession with her. Nope, he had an obsession with her. He was still completely unhealthy. Uh, but he was they also found he had been corresponding with Ted Bundy, which is one of the bigger things. He had been writing letters back and forth with the famous Ted Bundy. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder, like, to what end? Yeah, what were they talking about? <laughs> oh, I'm sure Bundy saw a chance to play with someone. Well, so yeah, Bundy definitely ride. was the uh, kind of a puppet master. Yeah. Well, Bundy was also trying to prove that he could be a psychologist, like a criminal psychologist. So I can imagine he was probably going to be like, look, I helped this guy. <laughs> but it's hard to say. But he also reached out to Charles Manson, uh, who also owned Catcher in the Rye. Mm-hmm. among other books. And was also completely cuckoo bananas. But didn't actually kill anyone himself. True story. Ted Bundy also thing. had Catcher in the Rye. Hmm. That was another one I found. Mm-hmm. He's included. But anyway, so this is just another person that had the book right before, and then they go after someone who politically there is some gain to kill. Mm-hmm. If you kill JFK, there's political gain. If you kill... Uh, John Lennon, there's political gain, technically. There's, like, socialist gain. Well, yeah, and if they were part of... If this all was connected to MK Ultra, then it's, like, the CIA having their own agenda mm-hmm. versus, yeah. like, the federal government, the FBI, whatever, they're doing their own thing. The CIA is like, actually... 
And I have questions about why the CIA would do this because there's other things they do already, but we'll talk about that because there's there's a whole lot more to this. But there's not the problem with the capture in the right one on John Hinckley is there's not a lot to it other than the fact that he had just read it. But if this whole sleeper thing is correct, then that means he mm. reads it, it triggers something, and he then goes to kill whoever he was told to kill. And I think it is probably relevant because of who the target was. Yeah. Uh, Reagan, President of the United States. Yeah, and so one of the things with Hinckley, too, is he was obsessed with Jodie Foster, who was a kid at the time, and that's kind of a similar weirdness that we seem to get with uh, Holton, too, is like this obsession. It's like the Peter Pan thing, Mm -hmm. like keeping people young and innocent, and that's kind of what he wanted out of Foster, it seems like. So I do think his motivations were slightly rooted in Catcher Mm -hmm. in the Rye, if Mm -hmm. nothing else. Yeah. But what about okay. 1989? 1989. So let's jump forward eight years. Yep, to another murdered famous person, um, Rebecca Schaefer. Is that how you say that? Yes, okay. Schaefer. She was an actress. Mm-hmm. And she had a stalker by the name of Robert John Bardo. Can we just talk about the fact that most famous people, like people who are famous for assassination, have three names? Yeah. Do you guys know why they have three names? Because it, when a mom and dad love each other very much. <laughs> they give their child three names? <laughs> no. And um, they have a baby. The, and... reason, the reason why killers are well known for having three names when they're listed anywhere is to keep away from, like, for instance, if you know someone named John Gacy or, and they announce John Gacy murders children in the newspaper, they don't want you to go jump down your neighbor's throat. Or Mark Lindsay Chapman. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Who also would be Mark Chapman. Yeah. So they do the Mark David Chapman or the John Wayne Gacy. They do it to separate them out so that they are a specific individual person. Yeah. Well, Robert John Bardo uh, was Rebecca Schaefer's stalker. Mm -hmm. He went to California a few times to talk to her and... Uh, but this was while she was on set, and so he was always turned away by security. The second time he went back to talk to her, he had a knife, and fortunately, security got rid of him that time as well. Um, well mean I can't bring my knife. And in the good old 1980s, he was able to get her home address from the DMV. <laughs> yeah. Yep, gotta love the 80s. Um He was enraged by some scenes in a movie called Scenes from the Class Struggle in Beverly Hills, uh, where she has some sex scenes and he gets angry because she's having sex with other people. He sees her, it comes back to this innocence thing. Mm -hmm. He saw her as an innocent young woman and then she was growing up and in Hollywood, if you're willing to take your clothes off, you'll be more famous. And so yep. he kind of then, I heard him, I, I read something that said he was quoted as saying she became another Hollywood whore. Yep. And that's what pissed him off. And then so he's he, like, well, she's got to go. Yep. He got his brother to buy him a gun uh, because he wasn't allowed to buy a gun for his mental unstableness. It's what the 80s did, right? <laughs> uh, sure. 
And then he got her address from the DM fucking V. Seriously. And then went to her apartment and initially, like, apparently showed her, like, some autograph things that she had sent him and, like, tried to talk to her normally. And then she told him to go away. So all he did was, like, go get some dinner. And then he came back. And when she answered the door, he just shot her point blank in the chest. And obviously And then she when died. he walked away from her house, he kept the gun in his pocket and mm-hmm. threw the book, Catcher in the Rye, away and landed on someone's roof. Yeah, he had the book in his pocket when he did all of this. So that one's a little closer, unlike just mm-hmm. having it on your coffee table or your bookshelf. Mm-hmm. So why did he throw the book away but not the gun? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I don't know. That's an interesting one because the other, well... Mark David Chapman was fully in it, and he was like, this is my book. Mm-hmm. The other two, it was just like, oh, it was at their house. So I don't know. That's an interesting one, why he would hold up, why he would throw the book and not the gun. I mean, that is like a Hollywood movie trope, I will say. Like the one, like the thing that reactivates you is the thing that you keep in your hand while you're like zombified and you go to kill whoever and then you throw it in the trash and then you completely go back to being a normal person again. Mm-hmm. Whatever happened with him... I don't know. I didn't look up any follow-up. Oh, I was Robert more looking for the book connection. I know I've heard a couple podcast episodes about him, but I, I don't recall. He was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. He is only 51 years old. Holy wow, shit. Wow, really? Mm-hmm. So he was like a kid when this happened. Yeah. He... Okay, so Allie. Yes. Some of us were born before 1997. <laughs> So was I. <laughs> no, but yeah, he would have been what? Like, so if he was born in the 70s. He was born in 1970, so he was yeah. 19. So yeah, basically a kid. Yeah. I'm I just looking at that like, oh, I was born in He's 83. <laughs> at the right age to identify with the character of Catcher in Rye. Yes. Which could be an issue. Yes. Yeah. So let's just say this. Mental health issues and Catcher in the Rye don't mix. They absolutely don't. They don't make a great cocktail. There are other books that you should also not read if that's the boat that you're in. Yeah. Because you could go down the same rabbit holes. But let's talk about another one. The next one's different. This one's interesting. Uh, So Peter Falconio is the victim in this case in 2001. He was... He's not famous. No. He's just a guy who was on vacation with his girlfriend in Australia they were driving through and they got tailed by a car that they they were trying to just let pass or whatever. They thought they he just wanted to pass, but then the guy in the car waved them to, off to the side of the road. Mm-hmm. He was indicating something was wrong with the car. Well, they pull over. The guy pulls over to the road behind them. Peter gets out of the car. He goes to talk to the driver. And then eventually what happens is he just gets shot. Mm-hmm. So they have like a short conversation and then the guy pulls out a gun and shoots him point blank, kills him, ties up the girlfriend, leaves her there so that he can go drag the body into his trunk. She gets away into the bushes. He doesn't find her. And then he drives off with Peter's body. We don't know who he was. We don't know where Peter is. They've never found a body. And I didn't see a name for who did it. So this says Peter was reading the book at a gas station. Right. So... Before they had been tailed by this person, shortly before, like their last gas station stop, he supposedly had been reading Catcher in the Rye consistently, but he read it specifically at that stop where they were taking a rest from driving. 
And it's thought that whoever killed him saw him reading the book, decided to tail them, and killed, killed him. him. Which is different because he didn't read the book himself. It was the victim that read the book this time. Yeah. So it doesn't seem like it fits the M.O., but... It's still Catcher in the Rye involved with the murder. Well, and it does mm-hmm. fit the M.O. because the idea is that if Catcher in the Rye is the trigger mm-hmm. and someone who is in this secret program mm-hmm. and has a trigger, if they see it, maybe they short circuit and kill the wrong person. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen the movie Conspiracy Theory with Mel Gibson? No, but I no. did read that this is basically that story. So there's his character. Um, it's a really strange movie. But God, I can't remember now. So his character is um, has been brainwashed by the by the CIA or some government entity, and the trigger for him is he has to buy a copy of Catcher in the Rye every time he sees one. Yeah. But he never reads it, and he doesn't understand why he has so many, and he has like hundreds of copies. Yeah, I did read that, but I have not seen the movie. It's a good one. Mel Gibson, Julia Roberts, Patrick Stewart. Mm-hmm. It's a good cast. Hmm. <laughs> so anyway, um, it's an interesting... Um, I'm sure the, that that plot in the movie was based off of all of these other things we've talked about through history. Yeah. I, I think this one's definitely an interesting one because while like I originally read it and I was like, that's not the MO at all, but thinking about the idea that this is just something that triggers them, and they would probably use a different section of the book to trigger them, Mm -hmm. which means it could be the book cover, could be the title, could be one of the words in the title. Or it was used for torture, like Jen said, and it was just made them to read it over and over and over and over and over again, so when they see it, they just go into like a psychotic rage and just kill the first person they see. Yeah, well, we're going to go more into that. Listen up, Guantanamo Bay. If you ever want to start torturing people with words. Or you can just stop torturing people. I thought you said Guantanamo Bay, and I was like, that sounds delicious. <laughs> oh my god. So yeah, don't torture people. Um, uh, so anyway, there are a few other deaths that are said to be involved, but I couldn't really find much about like where the book was involved or how any of this ties in. But I did find a list. So uh, Martin Luther King's killer... Uh, that nobody knows the name of. <laughs> yeah, that's just listed as Martin Luther King's not in killer. Order. James Earl Ray. Okay, yeah, he has right. three names. There you go. Fits the. <laughs> yep, Charles profile. Manson, but Cam said that he had a copy. Uh, the Boston Strangler, the Zodiac Killer, the Washington Sniper, and Ted Bundy were all said to have the book. Okay, so if they don't know who the Boston Strangler is, how do they know that they have. I thought they eventually called the Boston Strangler. Oh, okay. Yeah, I feel and like this the is Zodiac just a, Killer? Wasn't the Boster... Boston... Boster? Boster Strangler. Wasn't the Boston Strangler one that they found out was multiple people, but they caught one of them, mm. I believe. Anyway, uh, Boston Strangler was Albert Henry DeSaldo. Okay. Yeah. I love the the, the, the Washington Sniper. I love it. Yeah, so there's, um, there's supposedly a longer list, but... Well, the, and one thing I read that connects to Charles Manson is that this is the weirdest name in the world. Squeaky From. That's a name? Yeah, look it up. It's a weir- it's a real name. She was part of the Manson family. She w- she and two other people went to assassinate they, a, a president yeah. who was president during when Charles Manson was not in jail. What was that? 
Gerald Ford. Gerald Ford. Yep, Lynette Squeaky Frog. Yeah, sorry. Her, her name was Lynette. <laughs> <laughs> it was a nickname, but it's what she's known by. So instead of having three names, they just called her Squeaky. <laughs> and that's why she couldn't assassinate <laughs> Gerald Ford, because you can hear her coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not a very, like, hardcore serial killer name. Anywho, I digress. These are these are all very... I mean, pretty much like everybody that we see, the one thing that ties things together is that it's all very political. Yeah. Minus like the Australian one, which could be like a short circuit type of thing. That could be just like an accident. That guy up. like escaped MK Ultra, moved to Australia to like start a new life. Was like, no one down here reads, so I'm good. And then just coincidentally, someone at a gas station, he was like, motherfucker. Uh... Anyway, Martin Luther King's uh, killer, James Earl Ray, that fits into that very much since it's pretty much well thought that the government probably had him assassinated, which the family still pushes for. They actually push that James Earl Ray might have been completely innocent, Mm -hmm. which is a whole nother Mm. issue with that conspiracy. Uh, Charles Manson was political in some things like Ford and Mm -hmm. also the killing of a famous director's wife at the time he killed Roman Polanski's wife Mm -hmm. who Roman Polanski had his own issues he's kind of like a Lennon but then the Boston Strangler that one's not really political the Zodiac Killer could make you could make that political but the Washington Sniper was very political that was a former military member who was extremely irritated with the government and how they had handled things. Mm-hmm. So that caused a huge XMK issue. Ultra. Yeah. Thanks and then, of course, there's Ted Bundy, who just, he read a lot, so it's not surprising he had the book. Yeah. He's one of those people. Yep. So let's talk about the CIA. Yeah. So, this book is a trigger for sleeper assassins trained by the CIA. Whether they were part of MKUltra or not, it still applies. But MKUltra is a good tie-in. What is, I meant to look this up, what is the Manchurian Candidate? Like, what is the definition of... So it's actually a book and a movie. It's actually an event that happened, yeah. An event, okay. Um, I, I knew that it had been made into a movie a couple of times, mm-hmm. and, the, and I just didn't... Once by Frankenheimer, once by Spielberg. One, I, it was it was a thread I did not pull on. Yeah, it basically the protagonist of the story is captured and brainwashed and turned into an unaware assassin. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's usually a term used for a politician that's being used as a puppet by an enemy power. Mm-hmm. That's the idea. Which you could go into the same thing for like the domestic terrorism of the CIA using people using their own civilians mm-hmm. to, for political gain. Which, I'm not going to say the CIA has not used their resources for their own political gain, because there's, of course, the term suicided, which is something I wanted to connect to this, because the CIA has done weird projects like that in the past, where they've been proven to have suicided someone, there's a good chance they suicided a lot of others, which, if you don't understand what that means, it's people who supposedly commit suicide who are actually murdered. Mm Mm-hmm. By the CIA. The best example of it is actually in the movie Red, where Carl Urban suicides someone. Yeah, so there's a quote from the book that goes, It's funny, all you have to do is say something nobody understands, and they'll do practically anything you want them to. So the whole tie-in here is 
uh, you say something like a line from Catcher in the Rye or hand them a book and then they'll do anything you want them to. Brainwashing for the win. I saw some crazy website where it was like, it's not brainwashing or hypnotism because that's too easy. That's actually a cover for psychosis. They caused psychosis. Oh, okay. Okay, so it was a really long website. I skimmed it. (laughs) The background was neon yellow. So, yeah, they just are sleepers until they are triggered by it's unclear what triggers them really whether it's the book or something in the book or the picture on the book um well the whole idea let's let's go into that real quick The, the reason why it's unclear what triggers them is because in theory if you have a batch of people that you're mind controlling or brainwashing or creating sleeper agents out of which by the way this that is a real thing you can completely wipe away something that happened to somebody with only one particular thing that's going to trigger it. And sometimes you can do this intentionally, or there's, for instance, one of the most psychotic and disgusting cases of a serial killer, which was the toy box killer. He had done a similar thing to his victims, where he had brainwashed them to completely forgetting about what happened, and the only way they were triggered back into it was by rehearing the details of the case, and then suddenly everything came back. And it's a very similar thing to what we're talking about here. So the trigger could be anything, but it's just conditioning. So it's just making it one of those things where if it happens, they're going to immediately jump back into that mode of, uh, I'm trying to think of a show, Chuck. That whole show is literally about a sleeper oh, agent. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's about a sleeper agent who's not actually someone who was trained by the CIA, but he gets a chip implanted in him and he becomes, or he gets, no, it's visuals implanted in him and he becomes a sleeper agent for that reason. Or there's also the episode of The Office where Jim conditions Dwight to always want to mint when he hears a certain sound. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's the same idea. It's the same idea. But that's why Catcher in the Rye could work because it could have been a group of civilians that were all conditioned using the book, but they were all conditioned using certain pieces of the book and they were all supposed to go after certain people, which in the case of like uh, Peter... Uh, Falconio, he his killer could have been someone that was actually someone trained and intended to kill a different person, but he was he saw the catcher in the rye book at the wrong time. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and it's possible that the other catcher in the rye books were plants, but not plants for evidence later. Rather, plants to get people to actually right like go do the killing. So they read they read it or they see it and they're activated and right because voila, you know if you come home and you live by yourself and there's a random book on your coffee table, you just pick that up and read it. It's, sure. Who cares who put it there? <laughs> well, it's the 80s, man. People come in all the time and just hand you free books and drugs. They can get your address from the DMV. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, they that also could explain the whole, like, every some of these people acting really weird after killing their targets. Mm-hmm. Like, Mark David Chapman was just sitting on the curb reading the book. Mm-hmm. Like, he just kind of short-circuited and, and didn't know what to do. Lee Harvey was. Oswald almost seemed like he didn't know what was happening. Yeah. Yeah, he's definitely one of the cases that I, I feel like he definitely seems like he didn't know what mm-hmm. was happening. I'd say uh, Ray, the one who killed Martin Luther King, also was a similar case where yeah. he was like, I don't really get what's going on. Yeah. 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 And then there was also Hinckley, who apparently was still trying to shoot the gun that he had emptied of bullets. 
afterward. He right. was just he standing was just there like, trying to shoot. Like, he just short-circuited yeah. in kill mode and never left kill mode. Yeah. Like, I guess they don't really... Do they usually have, like, in those conditioning things, a way for the conditioning to stop, like, when their task is done? It depends on which Hollywood trophy you just, like, with. turn it off? <laughs> Again, there's like, no, like, real scientific research on this. There's just proven... Things that are similar. According to the theory in Hollywood tropes, there's either a way to turn it off or they're supposed to commit suicide afterwards. Those are typically the two that you see. Which I would be curious to know how many cases of like murder suicide where someone owned a catcher in the rye. Because it's not Mm -hmm. like it's something you're looking for specifically. In these cases, we know they had it because it's something that was prominently displayed. But well, and like technically. Was it John Hinckley Jr. who was, like, tackled and kind of, like, people were beating him? So almost like this idea, and then, like, Mark David Chapman just calmly sat and waited for the police. So this idea of, like, well, it'll take care of itself. Yeah. Where And Lee Harvey Oswald was making too much noise, so they were just, like, taken care of. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and then... Most of these, as we've seen, a trend. Most of these people are also already mentally unstable anyway. And so I, I read that that could also be like a gang stalking sort of tactic yeah. where it's like, even if they remember their conditioning or say anything about being involved with the CIA, who's going to believe them anyway? Because they're already deemed mentally unstable. So right. it doesn't really matter. Oh, this is interesting. They actually do know who killed Peter Falconio. How did they find him? Bradley John Murdoch. He is serving several years, or he's actually serving a life sentence, but with the possibility of parole in 2032, and he'll be 74 years old Dang. at the time. Yeah, is he American? That's, Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I need all these questions no, answered. He, he is an Australian. Okay. Did they find Peter? No, I don't think they know where Peter is, which means he didn't ever say. Or if he was brainwashed, he might have left the body somewhere and never. He doesn't maybe even he remember. snapped out of it later. Yeah, so that's the whole thing with how this book could work as brainwashing. Um, but then there's also this weird little twist of J.D. Salinger himself. He's also cuckoo bananas. Yeah. Well, he wasn't so much cuckoo bananas as he was angry bananas. Uh, please make art right now Allie that says angry bananas on it uh, anyway so the question does become why Salinger of all people again there's tons of books like if you want to like even if you want to inspire people to cruelty or madness or whatever again like I always will go back to Poe is a good example of how that could happen or like the racist ramblings of Lovecraft or Mein Kampf or anything like that. There are plenty of books out there to inspire that. Mm -hmm. So why Salinger's books and why this one specifically? Uh, Well, Salinger himself actually worked for the government. Uh, He worked in the military. He was part of the CIC, which was the Counterintelligence Corps, and that was the original CIA. They were eventually reformed into the CIA later. Uh, But he specifically is mentioned to have worked on Operation Paperclip. In what capacity is, we have a limited understanding of what capacity he worked in Operation Paperclip. I want to know who names these operations. Right, some of them are so great. Operation Paper Towel. (laughs) Just look to your left. 
Operation Cardboard Box. <laughs> well, an Operation Paperclip was actually called something else originally. The original Operation Overcast was the original name for it. And for people who don't know what this is, we've mentioned it on the show before. Uh, it's the uh, it's when the government took sixteen hundred German Nazi scientists. The description always says German. Nazi scientists. Let's mm-hmm. make that explicitly clear. Okay. Like some they of were, them worked they in were the concentration camps. Like from some Germany. of them were part of the death camps specifically. Yes. So again, Nazis, not just Germans, uh, they were brought over to America because America was like, well, you guys already did we're all gonna the experiments. Win the space race. They, they're basically like, you guys were already unethical earlier to learn all the stuff you needed to learn. So now come be ethical <laughs> and we won't persecute you for war crimes. Did you know that the Nazis got the idea for their gas chambers from the United States of America? That's a surprise. No, it's not. <laughs> Uh, anyway. But anyway, so it's thought that he worked with them. We don't know to what capacity. However, we what we do know is he had an insane like distaste for government officials because of his work in the CIC. He did was, we say that was the precursor to the CIA already? Yeah. Okay. Uh, but he didn't like any government officials. He wasn't a huge fan of the government. By the time he was done with his work. Uh, And this is all because of how the U.S. handled the Nazi situation. Again, we're talking about people who should have been persecuted for war crimes. If they shouldn't have been killed, they should have at least been locked Mm. away for life. And also, I'm pretty sure Salinger was part Jewish, at least. I don't know if he was. But anyway, my point is that, like, they were harboring war criminals, which in itself is a literal war crime. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's not a war crime if you're the winner. So... That's why he had a disdain for them. And there's a possibility that he worked directly with the MK Project as well while he would have been part of the CIC. And again, even though we know the MK Ultra Project was 100% real, we still don't know every facet of it. There's a lot of pages that are still blacklined. And even though it was released to the public, you can't unblackline something. Mm-hmm. So it's just forever dark. Oh, wait, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. What? That it's real? No. Oh. That it's still blacklined. Some of it is. There's there's things where it's like they don't mention someone's name or like they'll mention a specific place, but it's markered out. And things like that aren't full transparency. So we don't know everyone that worked on it or what capacity, but it's thought that it's possible Salinger worked with them. Uh, and that his book was actually intended to be this sleeper object. Dude, we're going to read it with a whole new set of eyes now. Anyway, let's. there's a secondary plot to the book. That's my next thread. Conveyed through the typology. Yeah. So let's go over that. Okay, you guys yep. fucking ready? Yeah. Now this, that you know about Salinger. Um, so this doesn't quite... You could spin this to tie in with the murder thing. But basically, there's a secondary plot, supposedly, allegedly conveyed through typology. Um, If you didn't know what typology was, which I didn't, it's the study and interpretation of types and symbols originally used especially in the Bible. Um, So basically the secondary plot is that Salinger is talking about the Freemasons. Dun dun dun. Dun dun. And not the beneficial nice guys that they come off as, but rather an organization with a sinister agenda. So basically... There is, if you analyze the text in this certain way, 
you get this story about how Holden was trying to be initiated into the Freemasons and then moved his way up. There is a very long uh, blog that goes into this that I will, uh, I think I'll link it on the newsletter or at the very least post it on social media because I did not finish the whole damn thing. So I'm pretty sure they analyzed the whole book. Anyway, there's a quote from Holden that says, and they had this goddamn secret fraternity that I was too yellow not to join. So that is one of the first things right off the bat that is supposed to tell you secret fraternity, Freemasons. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a part where Holden's teacher talks to him about studying the Egyptians for specifically 28 days and then failing the test. Supposedly, this is supposed to be code for the amount of time it, te- it takes to get initiated into the Freemasons, and also the Freemasons often use Egyptian symbols in their stuff. <laughs> yeah, which mm-hmm. we've talked about before uh, in our Washington, D.C. episode. We went into all of their different mm-hmm. all of their different symbolism, including obelisks and all-seeing eyes yes. and their popcorn slumber parties. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should listen to the episode, Jen. <laughs> well, I listened to half of it. <laughs> Missed um, that part. So, the story here is that uh, Salinger describes becoming part of the sinister Freemasons. And at the end of the book, Holden becomes a master mason and is permitted to enter the Holy of Holies to learn the ultimate secret of the Freemasons. Yeah, there's a bunch of things about the apocalypse and killing everybody and not exposing the organization's plans. And then there's this whole thing about, like, ducks and fish, where the ducks are the outsiders and the fish are the ones who abide in the truth of the Freemasons. Okay. is pointing at me. In the book. In, in Catcher in the Rye. In Catcher in the Rye. Okay. Uh, yeah, Holden has a whole conversation with a taxi driver. About the fish in Central Park. Yeah. And the ducks. Because mm-hmm. it's like, what happens to the fish in winter yeah, when the pond freezes, freezes over? over. Yeah. And the taxi driver's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> well, They're he, fish. He says something like, nature takes care of them, which is supposed to be right. like, yes, the fish are the holy ones, and the ducks are the and outsiders because they have like, to leave. I, I meant the ducks, not the fish. Because I'm not a dummy. Yeah, I guess that's also supposed to be a little biblical, but I hmm. don't know. Ducks and fish. You guys were raised with religion. Is that a biblical reference also? I've never heard of ducks uh, in the Bible. What about I mean, fish? fish are obvious. Yeah, loaves yeah. and the fishes. And yes, fish. the fish is a sign of Jesus. Things. Just a symbolism thing for Jesus. So is this like his so own thing? Like the fish ducks are, are the, holy the ones. government? Yeah, sure. The outsiders. <laughs> They're the ones who are like... The, the ones that are, like, going to hell or something. So yeah. they're a bunch of quacks. <laughs> okay. So there's a quote from the book also where Holden says, where he says, Like hell it is. I took it off and looked at it. I sort of closed one eye like I was taking aim at it. This is a people shooting hat, I said. I shoot people in this hat. Uh, mm-hmm. Going back to how this was originally called the boy in the people shooter hat, um... Basically, this is supposed to be the concept of one eye, um, which comes up in the Eye of Horus, uh, the all-seeing Eye of God, the the pyramid on the the dollar bill. Um, Leela, Futurama. 
No. <laughs> Mike Wazowski. Mike Wazowski. Nick Fury. <laughs> <laughs> Thor eventually. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, uh, so this is supposed to be an eyeball taking aim down the barrel of a rifle, an evil eye, or a harbinger, harbinger of death. Harbinger. 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 There you go. A harbinger of death and genocide. Okay? There's more quotes. Um, I did not write them all down because I could go on for hours about okay. the amount of analyzing. Post the link. Put it in the newsletter. Yeah. Can I mention this quote yes. that you put in here real quick? Which one? So when Salinger was asked about the connection of the book, he stated, in quotes, he didn't want to talk about it. Now, I don't like when people are like, they won't talk about it. makes it true. Sometimes they're asked the question so many times. That they are tired of well, talking about Well, and Salinger it. was just like, I don't want to talk to anyone. <laughs> well, exactly. Salinger is known for being a recluse, for one. But also, if an author or creator says they don't want to talk about something, it's either... I mean, now it could be because there's something in their contract where they're not allowed to. But most of the time, it's because they don't feel like it, because it's not worth it, because it's not anything that matters. Yeah. So this this goes through the whole book and... Basically, this is supposed to be code written for how you can join the Freemasons and move up in their evil fraternity. Cool. Yeah. Again, I'll post it, and you guys can read through the blog. Yes. So, fringe theories. Yes. To kind of round us up. If that wasn't already fringy. I know, right? (laughs) Actually, funny enough, I don't think my fringe theory is all that fringy. Honestly, I don't think it's any more off the wall than the conspiracy itself. This isn't necessarily a time cube situation where (laughs) I go just as batshit insane as the person in the Mm -hmm. conspiracy. Uh, But I was thinking about it, and if any of this is true, for any reason or purpose, it wouldn't surprise me if Salinger himself used specific text coding or typography coding Mm -hmm. to incite violence from people that were not as strong-willed to get a rise out of certain people, to get certain killings or assassinations or attempted assassinations to cause public unrest. Because that is one thing that happens in all of these cases, is every single one of them causes public unrest, and whether it's political or not, causes an issue for politics in general. Like, for instance, the Zodiac Killer caused an insanely huge political problem because we didn't have police departments that were willing to work with each other and because of that Mm -hmm. a killer got away because they were stubborn and it showed how weak our police departments actually were because they were so focused on who had what territory and we have the same thing with things like the boston strangler we have a hatred for the government and the washington sniper we have martin luther king trying to overthrow everything and his death was I mean, that caused a massive political wave. Mm-hmm. So all of these different things could be, in theory, if we're going along with this, could actually be not the government, but Salinger himself and his disdain for the government. That makes me think of the mo- of the TV show Blacklist. Fair. Yeah. Salinger's like, I have a blacklist. <laughs> He's just like, check, check. 
I think <laughs> but, if you want to go that route, I think that's almost even more likely of a route to go. Mm-hmm. Because what he ended up causing, if this is true, is hell on a mass scale. Because you had serial killers and huge political people being murdered. Like, Chaos! Exactly. So again, not super fringy this time. Yeah. Going along with that, I saw one. I didn't come up with this, but... I saw one that said maybe schools decided to unban the novel to corrupt the youth. Yeah, I, I read that too. Like, it was banned, and then it was like, wait a second, there's something here. Corrupt the children. <laughs> corrupt the children. Incite violence. There's a lot more on that. Just, just that. <laughs> Make them read a book they probably won't understand until they're older. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I needed to read that book to continue to be a shithead teenager. Were you emo? Oh yeah. Sweet. Like style wise? <laughs> I will not personally She's show right you. Here. Anyway. Everyone's a phony. Anyway, let's talk let's talk about conclusions. Okay. Uh, let's so I wanna go ahead and just talk about John Hinckley Jr. again. And while a lot of this is interesting, it's very circumstantial and very mm-hmm. like very much a coincidence. Like if you ever wanted to try a case based on this, you'd get laughed out of the courtroom. Mm-hmm. But one of those great examples, I think, is John Hinckley Jr., because I don't think Catcher in the Rye really had much of an effect on him. Mm-hmm. I will say the only thing I could see is wanting to, like, have Jodie Foster as, like, this innocent person mm-hmm. because of, like, again, like, Peter Pan syndrome type of mm-hmm. thing. But I we know for a fact he was heavily inspired by Taxi Driver. There's other things that go into his case where he kind of, like became Robert De Niro's character. He was also mentally ill. Let's not and leave that one out. he was mentally ill. And he's one of those poor souls that's just easily influenced. Mm-hmm. And he, unfortunately, was influenced in the very, very wrong way that he was. So right, because that's his case. There's not, there's this, it was like, we can't treat mental illness because, you know, back in the 80s, there was a lot of just like, don't ask, don't tell around mental illness. I mean, not just the 80s. It, you know, for years and years and years. I'd and say up until like the last couple of years, yeah. it's been like that. <laughs> and there's still Wasn't it in the 80s that, like that California just like there was a government mandate and they shut down all of their mental health facilities, mental health hospitals? Oh, God. I'm not sure. I mean, I know that there's plenty of times yeah. where they cut funding to mental health hospitals because yeah. why do they need funding? They totally now, granted, need funding. A lot of. There's the argument to be said that, like, well, I had a bad childhood, too, and I didn't kill anybody. But when you're in a deep depression, deep psychosis, deep, you know, if you're mentally ill. Everybody's brain works differently. Yeah. And there's some people, like, a great example is, uh, I can't remember what book it is, but there's the Suicides in the Japanese Forest, right? Uh, And not everybody who reads the same book or who reads a love story that's tragic is going to go commit suicide in a forest. Mm-hmm. But there are highly influential, like, for some people, there are things that can be really heavily influenced. So, in terms of yeah, the, there's this idea that, like, people will, people who are easily influenced yes. or already in that state of mind, they will fixate on this book. Right. Which is the coincidence of. Yeah, and not everyone who reads the book is going to have that happen. I can say I probably won't assassinate anybody. I can say you probably won't as well. Probably. 
There's a small chance. But if someone walks up and they tell me that Jen smacked someone to death, I might just believe it. Throat punching until you die. Yeah. (laughs) I'll be like, fuck, we shouldn't have had a reed catcher in the ride. I was triggered. (laughs) I was a baby when I was part of the MK Ultra program. Oh, shit. It's like really ingrained in your DNA. My parents were like, here, here's one. <laughs> the MK Ultra Junior Program. Oh, no. They just use an LSD version of the Wiggles. <laughs> Don't joke about it. It'll end up being true. It'll be one of the blacked out things that we didn't know was there. One thing that, one argument to be made is the, uh, I don't know if it started in the 80s, but sort of blaming the media, blaming music, blaming video games, video games for violence, inciting violence. Because we didn't burn witches in the 1800s. <laughs> yeah. Or was it 1600s? There were video games back then. We just didn't know. Time travel. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I wrote the 80s, am I right? <laughs> For real. Because, for fuck's sake. <laughs> it was like, I mean, you could, again, you could go to the DMV and get somebody's home address. Yeah. And be like, I'm not going to murder this person, I swear. I just want to bring them cookies. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe murder cookies. Well, and then there's, so you haven't heard the question of, would Mark David Chapman have killed John Lennon if he hadn't read, read Catcher in the Rye? Yeah. I think... I think Mark David Chapman would have killed someone. I agree. Just I, for maybe a yeah. different reason. I think he was, I think he had, he was deeply disturbed. He had obsessive behaviors. Yeah. Yeah. So. So there's, I mean, there's a chance he would have killed Lennon. I mean, it, whatever caused him to be drawn to Lennon in the first yeah. place, it, it wouldn't surprise me if he just read Catcher in the Rye and the next thing he saw was John Lennon and it happened to be the wrong moment of like Mm -hmm. he fixated on Lennon at the exact same time he fixated on Catcher in the Rye and it just became this awful kind of obsession. And the story gets twisted as like Lennon's the innocent and Mark David Chapman's the you know the devil which I don't know John Lennon wasn't that innocent and he wasn't that he wasn't an angel. No, John Lennon I mean, didn't deserve, deserve to be shot. No, I mean he didn't deserve to be murdered. I mean, and for anyone who likes John Lennon, that's fine. But the truth is, is that he had his own skeletons in his closet. He was not a perfect person, by any means. Like my favorite quote from him is, "Why do we practice? Uh, we practice love in the sheets, but violence in the streets." And the reality was, is he actually practiced that backwards yeah he practiced violence at home and private and love in the streets is what he preached so mm-hmm. he was not exactly the best person however that's not the reason why mark david chapman killed him no no it's not and he's not a vigilante he's, <laughs> he's... <laughs> he is... i got him guys i got him it's all good, We're good. <laughs> when people find out about what you did <laughs> I heard this quote on one of the podcasts I listened to about <laughs> Catcher in the Rye conspiracy. So it was like, are you hormonal or are you a sociopath? Basically like... Find out next time. <laughs> if we're talking about teenagers, I say teenagers are always both. Yeah. They're... They're hormonal sociopaths. <laughs> yes, they are. There is a level of, I don't give a fuck when you're a teanager. Yeah. Now can I ask you what anyway, you Anyway, yeah, you, you, what do you think? Why yeah. do I have to do it? Huh? I asked you first. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, 
again, there's a lot of coincidence here. It's interesting that so many killers have had Catcher in the Rye kind of openly as something they've just recently read when they've committed a murder, or at least something they were at least looking at when they just committed a murder. I would be curious to know how many other killers had read this book and whether or not it influences them in a certain way. But I don't think it's anything different than the taxi driver thing where Taxi Driver heavily influenced the violence that came out of Hinckley Jr. and the obsession Mm -hmm. as well. But it's because of the characterization and how people sometimes connect to the wrong characters. It's like a great example of that in pop culture is the Harley Quinn-Joker relationship thing where people are like, that's what I want. No, it's not. No, you don't. No, you don't. (laughs) Yeah, you don't want a a physically abusive and emotionally abusive relationship. But it's a similar thing to to the Taxi Driver incident, where Taxi Driver did not... It was not a sleeper movie that inspired Hinckley mm-hmm. to become crazy. It's just something that someone found the wrong dark book to be attracted to, mm-hmm. and it caused them to do something crazy. Which happens all the time. I mean, look yeah. at the, the guy who shot up the Aurora movie theater. Mm-hmm. He was obsessed with this. I mean, he was me- severely mentally ill. Was, mm-hmm. is, I think he's still alive. Yeah, he's still alive. Mm-hmm. And he, but he got fixated on this idea of like, oh, the movie's called The Dark Knight. And in the dark of the night, I'll just kill people. For whatever reason, I don't even remember. Yeah, what he died green too, because he wanted to be the Joker. Right? He just wanted to be the Joker. So yeah. he had dyed his hair and he had kind of taken after. He wanted to be Heath Ledger. Which he had kind of idolized as this person that like went all out to become the Joker since he got hooked on drugs while he was playing the part. But it, it's it also kind of bridges into that conversation of like there's that conversation of like accountability for mm-hmm. artists and whether or not artists should be worried about if they write something too dark or too violent, how that affects the public. Which right. they I don't think they should be accountable for that. That's not their job. It's no. art. There's the accountability should come from... It comes from individuals. Yeah, regardless. and just, you know, recognizing your own mental health needs and not making it, you know, making it acceptable in society that we all have mental health issues. So, you know, sometimes we need a little a little help and a little support and to not be ostracized for our brains being broken. Yeah. Yeah. So is, is this what you think? I don't. So I don't believe this inspired. <laughs> I believe that there's parts of this that inspired people to kill. It's not the overall, like, no. end-all reason. No. Mark so David think, Chapman would have found a different book. You don't think MKUltra used this to build sleeper assassins? No, I think MKUltra did a lot of things, and we're going to talk about it on this podcast in the next couple or next few months. This is not one of them. No. Okay. Jen, what do you think? Um... Yeah, no, I don't think specifically the Catcher in the Rye was used uh, as a torture method or anything, you know, except for, you know, in high school classrooms. <laughs> not by the CIA, not by uh, the government. I think a lot of it, I think they were able to easily see that through time. But it's interesting that it kind of lost, I mean, it lost steam after Yeah, the last after a one while. that I really found was 2001 with yeah. that one guy who wasn't famous. Yeah, I think it's it's all. It, I think it came about from the time of we blame the media for the actions of people. Yeah, I think that's fair. What do you think, Allie? 
I'm kind of on the same page as you guys, but at the same time, uh, the government has done some pretty horrible things in the past. Um, yeah. Like dipping puppies in acid. <laughs> and letting everything be dyed in the 90s with those horrible chemical dyes that are so bad for you. Why did they not put a stop to that early on? <laughs> What's wrong with you guys? Dye dye's the coolest. But, I mean, so it's not really, like, necessarily out of the realm of possibility that maybe Catcher in the Rye had something to do with MKUltra at some point, and maybe mm-hmm. it was a brief, like, maybe we could use books to brainwash people, and then mm-hmm. they were like, nah, that's kind of dumb. But, I mean, maybe it's just, I've like... I've heard dumber things, yeah, like I that's said. that's what I'm saying. Google FBI cats. I, you won't be disappointed. What I'm saying is that, like, it's it's not necessarily, like, there's no way this could happen. But I do think... It's just a lot of coincidences, and I don't know, this is a classic novel. It's been around for decades, and a lot of people end up having it. I mean, I know I used to just kind of go and buy classic novels, because they're kind of like those, you gotta read these before you die things. Okay, speaking of which, they're still capitalizing on this stupid book. (laughs) Yep. It's not that stupid. Because it's part of high school curriculums. We still sell it pretty right. consistently. So so, yeah, it's like, why is it still relevant? What is the cultural, like... Yeah, I think it's just a lot of coincidences more than anything. But I, at the same time, would not be surprised if I did find out that maybe they tried to use the catcher in the rye for something. And then maybe there's a whole other conspiracy theory where these people were, like, the five test subjects of the catcher in the rye right. experiment. I don't know. So many rabbit holes. But I do think that there is a trend of mental impairment and murder heart here so yeah. i think that's just kind of the end of the story <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. let us know what you think <laughs> let us know if catcher in the rye has ever made you want to kill reagan uh specifically specifically reagan not catcher in the rye other things maybe like <laughs> <laughs> let us know if you've met anyone who was inspired by catcher in the rye to do anything other than read it uh, I'd be happy to know about that. Let us know if you also hate the book. I want to start a I Hate Catcher in the Right fan club. And you can let us know on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or anywhere else you can find us. But if you're just stumbling upon us now as well, just because you're like in a random playlist or something like that, I know that happens on things like Spotify. We do have a lot more episodes other than this, so please go check that out, as well as a very fun cast of revolving hosts to Allie and I are on every episode and then we've got a set of eight co-hosts seven. I think seven co-hosts so quite a few of us and we're all quirky and fun yes. yeah and we're all into <laughs> different conspiracies which makes it even more fun uh, but yeah so even if you find something like you might find some other type of conspiracy that's totally your jam we go over all of them so, yeah Yep, if you, uh, there are books about this theory, so if you are a reading nerd like most of us, we have a Goodreads. You can follow us on our Goodreads for all of our conspiracy-related books to each episode. Um, I want our newsletter. Duh. We have a newsletter that I release every week with all of our photographic evidence, and sometimes I link things, and... I don't know, sometimes there's follow-ups to episodes and I'm like, yeah, cool, yeah. put that in the newsletter, but there's a newsletter. And to get on the newsletter, just type in Conspiracy What into Google. Our website should pop up. Uh, and then you can just go sign into the newsletter from there and put in your email. It'll ask you to confirm it. And you can do that and you'll get a newsletter from here on out. But I think we also have the newsletter posted other places if you've missed the last few. No, it's on so. the same link. 
Oh, okay. So it is, but it's available if you've missed the last view, right? Yep. Okay. So yeah. You, so you go to the you... link. You can just click on view archived list. If you don't feel like signing up, you can read all the old ones. Yeah, and we put up all kinds of information on there for all different kinds of conspiracies. I already explained it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Good. Anyway, That's I'm it. Cameron. I'm Allie. And I'm Jen. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to always stay stitches and remember that if you can't see them, they can still see you. It's called a two-way mirror.